If you'd like to join me uh, for the reading of God's word today, if you'd like to stand, please. Today's passage comes out of Joshua chapter 4, verse 14 through 28. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations throughout which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. You may be seated. Now, if you are listening closely to uh, that passage, uh, there's three objects that appear in the story and um, there's a tree, and then there is, if you look over here, there's a, there was a book, and then there was also um, a large stone. We're missing the tree. We need a tree up here. Can we get a, can we get a tree up here? Yeah, a tree would be great. Thank you. <laughs> Let's plop this baby right here. <laughs> That's much better. That's much better. <laughs> Good job, Tony. Thank you. I've never heard an applause for a tree before. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, um, this story is, it's a powerful one. Um, a tree, a book, a stone, it's this pattern that you see throughout the story. 
Um, and I want to talk about a tree, just a second. A tree that probably looked nothing like this tree, but this is a great tree. We love it. It's an Idaho tree, I think. Um, there's a lot of cheering. I like this. Um, so there's a tree in the story, if, if you noticed. And this tree um, actually is mentioned in the Bible way, way, way before um, this Joshua passage that we read. And it starts with a man named Abram. Um, who you may have heard before. And, and, and Abram was, uh, he had this incredible moment where suddenly God showed up and he had this powerful experience with God. And then God started making these promises to Abram that he was going to get this land and he was going to have these descendants. It was going to be this amazing moment. And then, um, listen to this. I, I want to read this to you. This is from, um, uh, it is from Genesis 12, 1 through 3. If you'd like to turn there, you're welcome to in your Bibles. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And what's amazing, we've probably heard this passage before, but what's amazing about this passage is Abram says, Okay, God, I'll do that. And he grabs his wife and his nephew, and then they take off to this new land in Canaan. And so they show up into this land in Canaan, and God says, I'm not done promising things to you quite yet. Hold on. And if you look at verse 6 from Genesis 12, God goes on. It says, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. This great tree of Morah at Shechem. Very similar At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then if you follow the story, um, Abram's in this land, and then later on Abram's descendants after Abram, they end up needing to lead the land, or leave the land. And they make it into Egypt, and all this bad stuff happens in Egypt, and they become enslaved in Egypt. And so, so God raises up a man named Moses, and then Moses leads um, Abram's descendants out of Egypt in this kind of spectacular moment out of Egypt. And then he leads them into the Sinai Desert. And then they have this amazing covenant renewal ceremony in the desert when they receive the Ten Commandments. It's this really great story. And then it goes on, and God's, and then Abram's descendants are, well, disobedient, and so they end up wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And then, after the 40 years are up, they make it to this another incredible moment where they enter into the land. It's this another covenant renewal ceremony that happens, and they find themselves in the land, and they're excited, but they've got to purge the land. They've got to clean out all the tribes and all the tribal deities that happened to be in the land at the time. And so they go through, and they kind of cleanse this this new land that God had promised them all long ago under this great tree in Shechem. And so they go, and they cleanse the land, and if you've ever read that passage in Joshua, it's kind of disturbing to our eyes because they kill like a lot of people. It's this pretty amazing moment. And then they get to the end of it and then we get to our passage today and they have Joshua is their leader and they have cleansed most of the land and now is the time for them to take the land, right? And so they make it into this moment in Shechem by a tree. It's really fascinating. Listen to this from um, the book of Joshua. This is Joshua 24, verse 25 and 26. It says, On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people there at Shechem. 
He reaffirmed for them decrees and laws, and Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there where? Under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. It's the great tree. And so in the same place in the story where God comes to Abram and makes all these promises to Abram, in the same place, um, Abram's descendants see all of God's promises fulfilled under the same great tree. And it was a holy moment. It was. You know, and, and in addition to a tree, verse 26 mentions the book. It says, And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. The book of the law. Now, in our Bible, when they talk about the book of the law, that part of our Bible would be the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. See, in Abraham's descendants, they received the law of God in the desert, as John briefly mentioned. When Moses was their leader at a place called Mount Sinai, they received it at another covenant ceremony. And the word of God was life for them. It was everything. And in verse 26, it says, Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. This covenant renewal under Joshua, this moment was so significant that they wrote it in the book of the law. Why did this moment matter so much that they would write it in this book? Well, there's a couple reasons. First is that under Joshua, Abraham's descendants had conquered most of the land that was promised to Abraham. Now, some of the tribes, they still had some conquering to do. Uh, Phase one, in essence, though, of the conquest was done. They were well established in the land. Second is that Joshua's time as leader was ending. Joshua succeeded Moses, and he was with Moses. Joshua was with Moses as Moses led the people in the desert for 40 years. And after Moses died, Joshua led the people in the conquest of the land promised. Joshua led them for 31 years. The people, they never had anyone lead them but Moses and Joshua. That's all they ever knew. And Joshua is coming to the end of his life. And then third, the people, they're getting ready to take their inheritance. In verse 28, it says, Joshua dismissed them to their inheritance. It was what was promised to Abraham, to Abram, all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. And the people, they had experienced amazing acts of God in the desert, and they had amazing victories under Joshua. But this moment was different from all of those other ones because they had finally made it. They had arrived. Their wandering was over. So now what, what were they going to do? Would they continue to follow the Lord, or would they follow the gods of the land they just conquered? This was a pivotal, pivotal moment for Abraham's descendants. And so they recorded it in the book. 
And so there's, there's a tree, and then there's a book in this story, and then there's, there's a stone as well in this story. And these two, the tree and the book, are pretty easy to understand the symbolism there, right? The tree symbolizes God making a promise and then coming through and says, no, I'm going to make that promise happen, and then it does. That's what the tree symbolizes. And then, well, the book represents, you know, this is the terms of the covenant in some sense. You're making a covenant with God. Here's the terms. Here's what they look like. But then, then there's a stone in the story, and the stone's a little trickier to understand. I want to read again from Joshua 24. This is 25 through 27. Again, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. It says, On that day Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. And he said, see, all, see to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. You see, in this covenant renewal ceremony in Joshua, the stone is acting as a witness in some sense. The large stone would be a visual reminder to the people of the covenant that God made with Abram and then later made with all of Abram's descendants as well, that the, the covenant that they were renewing that day. Now, many of us in the room are married, I think, um, and we carry with us a witness um, that sits on our left hand, third finger in to the promises that we made when we're married. Anyone uh, looking at their ring right now? It's, it's a wedding ring, right? Yep. Uh, I don't know about you, but mine doesn't come off. Um, we don't believe in magic here at TFRC, but I'm pretty sure my wife put a spell on it. Mine doesn't come off. Now, when we look at our wedding ring, anytime we notice it, it's a reminder of the covenant that we made with our spouse, is it not? It's a symbol for us of commitment. And then there are those moments where other people outside of our marriage see that ring, and it's a symbol to them too. It's a symbol of our identity, of who we are, that we are married people, that we're off the market, that if you try anything, my spouse will hurt you. Like one of those <laughs> things, I think. And if something were to happen and we were to violate our covenant with our spouse, there would be this really awkward moment for us when we looked at that ring. The ring, in some sense, would suddenly become a witness against us. And this is exactly what Joshua is talking about in our passage. The large stone that's placed under the oak tree in the story of Joshua is the wedding ring for, the, uh, for Abram's descendants and for God. And if Abram's descendants were to violate their covenant, there would be this awkward moment anytime they happened to be walking through town and their eyes glanced that stone, it would feel awkward, a witness against him. And it's interesting because this is exactly what happens. They violate the covenant again and again and again and again. And this stone starts to yell out at them as a witness against them. So in this story, we have, we have a tree and we have a book and we have a stone. 
And the story of Joshua 24 speaks right into the life of TFRC now. Because like the descendants of Abraham, uh, TFRC has a history of God blessing us. If you were here two weeks ago at, uh, for Pastor Brian's last Sunday, you heard about what God has done here with him as our leader over the last 34 years. Uh, the growth of this place, we are five times the size we were 34 years ago. Uh, the impact that's been made, uh, 29 different local and global mission uh, partners that we have, uh, three nonprofits launched. Um, the difference that's been made in all of our lives where we gave Brian a three-hour video of people sharing the impact that has been made on them over the last 34 years. God has blessed us. In the story, as John just said, there's a tree, a book, and a stone. Well, at TFRC, we have a tree, the cross. We have a book, the Bible. And we have a stone. Actually, uh, we have multiple standing stones here on campus. Um, here's a picture of the very first standing stone ever set up here. It's, uh, we call it the First Peter 2 standing stone. Nearly 20 years ago, after one of Pastor Brian's first study tours in Israel, he came back and he wanted to put up a standing stone on campus. And so at a volunteer appreciation dinner, he introduced this stone representing Jesus. And then he had everyone at the banquet place a small stone at its base. We have a picture of that as well. Slide of that, go ahead. And um, those little stones at the base of that larger stone represent our community of faith, TFRC. You pass by this stone every Sunday. Now you can't see it if you look out that window because of the hedges, but it's literally right out that window. Every Sunday that you come to church here, you pass by the First Peter 2 stone. It's our very first standing stone. You know, and what's interesting about this first standing stone is, you know, for Joshua and the descendants of Abram, the stone was a witness against them. Well, that's not really true for us. That stone is a witness for us. It's a witness that holds everything together. Now, in your Bible, if you'd like to turn to 1 Peter 2, turn with me there a second. It talks about uh, this stone. This is what it says. It says, as you come to him, Jesus, by the way, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And then it goes on in verse 9, if you, if you want to keep going, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had re uh, not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And here's the deal, folks. All these things that are said in this passage are true of us too. It's true of us. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Once there was a time when we weren't a people, but now we are God's people. That is true today. And just like Abram's descendants in the book of Joshua, we violate the terms of the covenant again and again and again, but we don't have a stone that witnesses against us. We have a stone that, wit that witnesses for us. You see, the stone is Jesus. The stone is Jesus. And 1 Peter says that Jesus isn't just a stone, that Jesus is the cornerstone for us. Meaning that Jesus holds up the covenant for us even when we can't. Even when we're too weak or broken or hurting or ignorant or distracted or unfaithful, God holds the covenant up for us in Jesus. When we are weak, Jesus is strong. And Jesus alone secures for us peace and justice and mercy and a relationship with God and salvation and the love of God. And folks, that's really good news, is it not? <laughs> that's really good news. You know, there is another way. The, the more that John and I looked at this passage, the more we were just amazed at how much Joshua 24 speaks to where we're at right now. And there's another way that Joshua 24 speaks to us, TFRC, right now. Joshua, uh, their leader, led them uh, for 30 years, and now he's leaving. And throughout their entire history, the people only knew two leaders, Moses and Joshua. And the era of Moses and Joshua as their leader are, is over. Likewise, here at TFRC, we've only had two lead pastors. Before Pastor Brian was Pastor Don. How many of you were here when Pastor Don was senior pastor? Raise your hands up high, because I want everyone to see. Okay? There's a few of you, but if you notice as a percentage, that's not very many. For the rest of us, it's always been Pastor Brian. And our new reality is that Pastor Brian is no longer our leader. Now, he hasn't died like Joshua. He just retired. He's doing fine. He's happy. He's alive and well, enjoying life, okay? Um, but Joshua led Abraham's descendants for just over 30 years, which is really interesting because Pastor Brian led us for just over 30 years. And our new reality is Pastor Brian is no longer our leader. And so we face, as a community of faith, an uncertainty that we've really never had to face before. You know, Joshua challenges the people to recommit to the Lord. You know, the famous verse or verses from this story where he says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, Joshua issues, issues that challenge because Joshua knew 
that when a longtime leader leaves, that's a moment when the people must decide what to do. To keep following the Lord as if the leader never left, or to walk away from the Lord because the leader is gone. And that reality, that principle, has not changed. It is well known, this is not a secret, that in churches today, when a long-tenured pastor steps down, it creates a moment for the people in that church. And this, it's that moment that we are in right now. This is a moment for us to either fall away from faith in Jesus and with that maybe walk away from this place. Or it's a moment for us to step forward in faith in Jesus and with that recommit to this place. You don't know how encouraging that is to me. We commit. <laughs> we commit to Jesus out of gratitude for what he has done. On the cross, Jesus died for our sins. And in that moment, Jesus decreed that we are not failures just because we fail. And so because of that, we live for him because he died for us. And when we all buy into that, we become a chorus of living stones. It binds us together in a way like never before. Joshua's death, it's not the end of the story of Israel. It was the beginning of the story of Israel. We are not at the end of the story for TFRC. We are at the beginning of it. The last 30 years haven't been about coming in for a soft landing. No. The last 30 years, they've been about launching us into ministry. And that same spirit that has been launching us into ministry for the last 30 years, it's still with us. Look, TFRC, this is a great community of faith. We have great leadership here, great staff, great consistory. There are great people here. You do not know how much you all have been an encouragement to my faith for the last 15 years. This place has great potential. And I'm excited to see what God will do with this place when we all put our hands in the middle and recommit to the living stone. Recommit to be a church of living stones. That same spirit that has launched us is still with us. Now, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Today it is a moment as TFRC, as a community, as a faith community, to ask the question, who will we serve? Now, many of us have answered that question before. Many of us have had conversion experiences. We have a personal relationship with Jesus. We follow Jesus. Um, we've decided for Jesus. But then there's those moments in life where you sometimes need to take a step back and say, I need to recommit this. I need to renew this moment. Um, it's kind of like when you get married and you do a renewal of your vows. It's not that you get saved again or something like that, but it's something, there's a powerful moment in it where you make the decision again. 
For those of us who are followers of Jesus this morning, perhaps you've been doing it a while, this morning is a moment to recommit, to renew your covenant with the Lord and his body, his church, TFRC. Now, there are some of us in this room this morning who have never made a covenant with God before. Some of us have never declared with our lips that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And then there's others of us in this room that perhaps have made that step, but never really stepped into the community here and really lived that covenant out in some sense. This morning, if you're in one of those boats, um, you have a chance to make a covenant for the first time to Jesus into his body. You know, and part of covenanting with Jesus is covenanting with the church. You know, one of the things I'm really, really excited about this fall is we're launching small groups again. Old school small groups at the church where people at our church are going to go to people's houses in our church. And they're going to hang out and they're going to pray together and they're going to read scripture together and study together and support each other. I'm really excited about that because that's exactly what this covenant is all about. Later on in this service, you're going to have a chance to sign up for one of those and be a part of that. Now, I don't know if you noticed, um, there's a large pile of stones in the middle of the room. Anyone (laughs) notice that? First Peter 2 says, Jesus is our cornerstone, that Jesus is the living stone. And it also declares, as Chuck said, that, that you are also living stones, that the church is a bunch of living stones connected together. This moment, we're going to have one of those who are you going to serve moments. It's going to be a covenant renewal ceremony in some sense. Today we're headed into the new reality, a reality without Pastor Brian as our Joshua. And Pastor Chuck and I feel like it's time to hit pause a second and say, who do we serve as a community? And to really refocus on that, to renew our covenant together. And so what we're going to do now is in a moment I'm going to invite you up and you're going to head up to the center of the room and you're going to find this massive pile of stones And when you find yourself at that massive pile of stones, I want you to pick one out. Grab a stone. And you're going to see a bunch of Sharpie markers there as well. And I want you to grab a stone and then write your name on that stone. And then what we'll do is we'll head back to our seats after that moment. And then later on in the service, what we're going to do is we're going to head outside together to the first Peter stone, the first standing stone at the church. And we're going to renew our covenant before Jesus and this church. And we're going to lay that next foundation down together as a church. We're going to build on the foundation of those who got us here so far. Today is a really unique opportunity here. Folks, who will we serve? Who is it? Let me pray. And then when I'm done praying, feel free to just come on forward and grab a stone, put your name down, and and then head back to your seat. Let's pray. God, we recognize the moment. God, you've orchestrated this moment. It's the kind of God you are. 
You're a God who has your hands in the mud and you've orchestrated this moment in the life of our community, our faith community that we call TFRC. God, it's a moment where we want to return to you and just renew our covenant with you. That Jesus is risen and we believe that and it means something in this world. It means something for us. That Christ's body means something and being dedicated to it means something too. God, some of us in the space have perhaps wandered a long ways away from God, a long away from you. God, in this moment, please send your spirits to bring people back into covenant. And God, we believe you have a, a bright, shining future for us, and we're excited to see it unfold, God. And so as we come forward to covenant with you, we just pray that your spirit be with us in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.